All right, well, an old school Jake Uger, Ben Mankiewicz with you guys. Uh, ben, are we allowed to say where your secure location is in the generally in the country? No, yeah, I'm in the Poconos. Okay, Poconos, all right, and I, and I feel like the old school graphics have a Poconos feel to them. Um, a little bit, yeah, totally, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, you traveled across the country with your family and dog to get there. Uh, that seems crazy, uh, but yet here you are and you seem to have survived. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like driving. Um, the dog uh, was a crisis tonight because it's fireworks night. I don't think that, did we know, did everyone know the fireworks were tonight? Is Are the fireworks tonight everywhere or are there fireworks tomorrow night in places? No, uh, so this is a phenomenon of late, which is uh, we apparently have decided as a country that we're going to do fireworks for multiple nights uh, just to have fun. Oh, yeah, that's that's all. Yeah, and then the big ones are always supposed to be tomorrow on actual 4th of July. But yes, in my neighborhood, the fire works have been going off for three days now at least. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like the big show. Like we had a here in the, the town in the Poconos where we're in. Tonight was the big night, which makes some sense. They have a lot of things tomorrow. But like people come and they got to go back to the city, right? They got to go back to New York tomorrow or back to Philly. Tomorrow, and so, like, it would make sense to have the big to-do where everybody goes to the golf course and watches the fireworks tonight, and they did. Now, our dog is traumatized by fireworks in a way that whatever the whatever the most trauma a dog can experience, short of death, is what Bob Mankiewicz experiences when the big fireworks come. But really, any fireworks. I mean. Remember, did you see Blair Witch Project, Jack? I did. So Bob basically stands in front of a wall, stares at it, doesn't listen, and drools. And I just feel like one time she'll just die. Like that's how it will end for her. And then eventually she'll get on the bed. And like people say this, they think it's cute, but she'll get on like where the person sleeps, like on your head. And then figures out a way to make her 73 pound self 730 pounds. She won't move and she's too scared and you don't want to be a jerk. So you just like sleep on the floor. Like, <laughs> I mean, she is just uh, it's a basket case. So we, knowing the fireworks were coming, our daughter went to watch the fireworks and then we put the dog in the car and took like an hour long drive leading up till 10 p.m. and, and, and old school just to have her away from it and it worked. Although we're back here and then everybody does the residual like local little fireworks that people have in their house. I hate fireworks, I hate them and I don't care if I ever see them again. And it's one of the many things that's wrong with America that we think fireworks are awesome. Yeah, you know, lately I've been uh, um, softening my position on that because for a long time, uh, I shared your enormous disdain for fireworks and especially like the 28th year in, I was like, I'm pretty sure we've seen this before. I'm pretty sure right, we've seen it. exactly this before. And every year they're like, no, 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 this one, this one, this one, this one more spectacular. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's not. I got Wait it. for the finale. Boom, 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 boom. I got it. I got it. I got it. You do a yeah. lot at one time. I got it. I know. That's what it is. Yeah. So they do the yeah. The finale has a lot of them. Got it. Uh, then yeah, they do the cool right, ones yeah. that then disappear, except those were cool like 30 years ago, 
We're still doing it. Okay, got it. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, but lately, I've softened up a little bit. So that's a that's a classic traditional old school attitude of being anti fireworks. But I saw this um, yeah. instead of instead of fireworks, I saw this um, thing uh, that happened was where they did drones. They uh, set up like hundreds of drones and then did like graphics with the drones mm -hmm. and like a, a light show and stuff like that. And like they had things on the drones. And I was like, well, you got to give them that one. That one's definitely different, and I haven't seen that before. And by the way, like 28 years from now, probably two other guys on old school will be going. Enough with the drone shows. I got it. It was interesting the first time. Now it's the same thing over and okay. over again, right? The drone shows. Um, so that was a little. That was different, at least. And then I, where I don't remember the last time I was looking at fireworks. Maybe New Year's Eve in Vegas or something. And I was like. All right, no, no. If you're, if I stop being bah humbug for a second, they're not the worst thing in the world. You know, they're they're, well, they're okay, just not. I, I just it, don't want the gaslighting that they're the greatest thing in the world. But also, like in Las Vegas, it's different. Like you expect sensory overload in mm. Vegas. Like I thought you were gonna say because you have kids and the kids like firework, and I was gonna call you weak because I'm not falling for this. BS that kids like that therefore the parents have to like it. Kids are tasteless hacks who have no idea what's good <laughs> or important or interesting. They're gigantic failures in the world. It's only by the guiding hand of their observant, kind, benevolent parents that they learn anything at all at any point in the world. So I don't care what they like. Most of what they like is horrible. Unwatchable and inedible. <laughs> All right, so let's just you know let's get that out of the way. And so, but I'm pleased that you saw fireworks display in Vegas and thought it was cool because that's what Vegas is for: fireworks and again sensory overload and not Major League Baseball. By the way, in the in the form of the Oakland uh, Athletics. Are they moving to Vegas or no? Oh yeah, they're moving. Yeah, I mean, no. it's not signed, sealed, and delivered, but it's 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 but it's signed, sealed, and delivered. Well, luckily, it. luckily it won't be too hot there, so that they should be in okay shape. Um, well, they're putting this dome, they're putting a dome on when the stadium finally opens, though they may play a couple years in the minor league park. But it's just it's awful. It's awful for a thousand reasons. The same way that fireworks suck, baseball teams moving sucks, and yes, the A's have moved twice before. Um, hang on, sugar and milk. And oat milk, yeah, thank you. Um, just fixing my get my tea ready uh, in a house that, by the way, has no air conditioning and it is already 85 degrees. And I'm wearing a sweatshirt and I'm about to have hot tea. Questionable choices. Um, and you talk. I don't like smack about doing kids. old school. <laughs> but I don't can't do old school in a t-shirt. It, it felt it's too much. It's too much. I felt I needed a hoodie that I think is for girls. But I think, but looks still okay. No, it so, looks Poconos. Uh, it looks old school. You nailed the hoodie, and I will, right. I and I will pardon you if you take it off, just so you know. <laughs> All right, thank you. Um, so, like, the A's moved to Kansas City from Philadelphia, and then from Kansas City to Oakland, right? But it was all different then. Sometimes those owners weren't rich enough and needed the money. Right, like they would have had to give up the teams. Now they're billionaires, and there's really no excuse for a billionaire 
taking a team out of a city so he can make more money. If you have to, you feel like you have to move the team, then sell it. Then you don't get to own that team or buy a different team, right? In a city that you like, put a group together and come up with the money. You don't get to be a billionaire and get a deal somewhere else, especially a fake place that I love, like Vegas, but it's fake, right? There's some real Vegasans, and I admire those people, Vegasians. <laughs> but Las Vegas taking a, a something from the Baltimore of the West Coast is not cool. Even Art Modell moving the Colt, moving the Browns from from Cleveland to Baltimore, like Art Modell wasn't that rich. That was bad though, but it worked out because Baltimore got a team. Oakland's never getting a team, ever. It's just terrible. Oakland is a working class city that has been, you know, uh, mistreated uh, institutionally and statewide, and probably by many people who live there for a long time. And it's terrible that the Raiders are gone and the Warriors are gone and now the A's are gone. And 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 for a bunch of billionaires to move for a better deal, it's not the same as other moves. It's not even close to the same as other moves. And those moves in the 50s and 60s, they don't count at all. Okay, so first of all, I'd like to correct you. It's vegations. Um, and <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and secondly, um, Golden State moved? Where'd they move to? San Francisco. They just left oh, Oakland. Yeah. Well, that leads to me to San my. Francisco. So, I mean, they're still. But that leads me to my main question, though, Ben, which is. Should Oakland have teams? No, so I know you're a huge, huge Oakland A's fan. And so that's like oh, the equivalent of a, almost an insult to you. But having said that, like yes. Oakland and San Francisco are one minute from each other. I mean, I don't I even know you, why they're different, different places. I got it. And if you were making a league up now, maybe you wouldn't give them two teams. But they're there. And as you know, history in sports matters, right? And the A's have had great success. They have won the third most World Series ever. They are not having success, you know, now. Um, but they have. But it's deliberate. There's been no effort. You know, the, all they need is a stadium. This is all about stadiums. And then the media rights, the Bay Area, you could do fine. But the stadium deal, they were in the only dual-purpose stadium left. And they got a deal on a stadium there. They didn't get one in Oakland, but they tied it to a giant colossal housing and shopping project. And when they couldn't get the city to commit the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars for that, they were like, oh, the city won't make a deal. They could build a new stadium on the site of the old stadium now, basically. But And they'd have a totally nice stadium that's literally the easiest stadium to get to in the United States of America next to Madison Square Garden. It's on a BART stop. Like you just, hey, we get out. Hey, we're here at the Oakland Coliseum. And they would still do, that's where the Warriors play too. Yeah. So it's just criminal to move them to another part of the world. And it, and worse than it's Vegas. Yeah, but do you admit that when the Raiders played in Oakland and then they, they had to run in the dirt infield left over from the A's presumably, that it was weird and like, wait, this is the NFL yeah, and you guys on. have it was, several trillion it dollars awesome. and you can't do like that that reminds me of Perth Amboy where like a poor town that we played football against and I was like do you guys have grass in this town 
But isn't that part of what made the Raiders the Raiders? Like it was a tough guy stadium. There was dirt from the 20 yard line in. And then when the A's made the playoffs, which you know was a lot of times since this, you know, since this managed, since not the ownership, but this management sort of took control in the late 90s. You know, this team's been good and mostly good. And in the playoffs, you'd be like, there'd be a base hit to center, and you'd be like, oh, there's the 40, then the 50 yard line, like just in the outfield. Like it was crazy. But all of it sort of gave them a little bit of, you know, I don't know, gave them a little bit of grit, a little extra grit and heart and strife. And that's part of being an Oakland fan for, I think, for all the teams was, you know, remember also the Warriors, when they were like, Bad to okay, that stadium was packed with rabid fans. There are fans there for these sports. You gotta try, you have to try. The A's deliberately didn't try the last couple years. I mean, in a way that exceeds, and they weren't trying to get a high draft pick to rebuild. They were trying so that they could move and it worked. You know what? They could say, look, we don't have support, yeah. I'm with you, Ben. I just wish Northern California would finally catch a break. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, (laughs) finally, finally, finally. But but you know the East Bay and Oakland is not. That's not Tony San Francisco. It just isn't. I mean, it's all you know. It's you know moving beyond sports. Although I'm going to come back to one quick sport thing in a second. But but like that's actually a super trippy phenomenon. That's very old school worthy to discuss. Which is that Northern California is now the richest place on earth. Arguably the capital of the world, given that they've created the you know the these platforms that everyone uses, consumes, affects the worldwide culture, etc. But there's two eccentricities about that. One is Oakland is the town that revolution is going to start in. I've said that for decades now. Like when the revolution comes, it will start in Oakland. Everybody knows. Anybody with any sense knows that. So that town is next or and is in some ways a part of but not exactly like the richest place on earth. And that's that is trippy and that is a phenomenon that's interesting. Second recent phenomenon is San Francisco's hollowed out. Even though it's the capital of the world arguably, there's like no one left in San Francisco and it it's this almost collapses a city. So that juxtaposition is Absolutely bizarre. Yeah, if I move to the Bay Area, I, I mean, there's no. I would live in Oakland. You know, I'd find there's some nice neighborhoods in Oakland. Obviously, I got it. There's also some not nice neighborhoods in Oakland. But I don't know. I just would be drawn to. I've never lived there. I mean, I'm a fan of the A's in life my whole life. I've been a fan of the A's. It's just Jack Doe's is part. It's not. I'm just a fan. I'm like it's part of what defines me. You know, it was the thing that set me apart from literally everyone else I knew. As a kid, I was like, I'm an Oakland Ace fan. I'm an 11 year old boy in Washington, D.C., and I'm an Oakland Ace fan. Um, so it sucks. And I have an identity with Oakland. The people who are actually from Oakland have an even stronger identity. I feel worse for them. But I just, you know, it's just, it's, it is, it is, while we're talking about, you know, baseball players who make a lot of money and, and, and executives who make a lot of money and the owners are incredibly rich, but, it, it is this little microcosm of what's wrong and what's happening in America, um, and you know, and it sucks. 
it just sucks. And and the Raiders should be in Oakland, and the A's should be there. And and that's and 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 their stadiums. To me, I got it. This part you would have to fix. I get it. But it's not. It's sort of funny to me. And it's not funny to me. It seems right to me that their stadiums would be messed up. But I concede that they needed a new stadium. But that said, there was something wonderful about the Raiders trying to win the AFC Championship game, and you know, you know, Cliff Branch catching a pass and getting tackled, you know, in the infield third at the six-yard line. That was cool. You know, that was good stuff. It's easy you know. for us at home to to root for the gritty guys playing on the dirt fields. But probably the players and the owners right. were like, really? We're still playing on a dirt yeah, we field. Want to, everybody else, yeah, everybody else gets their own stadium. I got it. I got it. Yeah. And but as you know also, last I know this is a sports fan, but the but this is about America and this is about sort of class warfare and and football teams play eight weeks a year. Raider fans, if I were a Raider fan and they moved whatever it is, five hours away to Vegas or however far Vegas is from Northern California. Um, I, I'd be like, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm still a Raider fan, right? Like it's eight weeks a year that we get at home. I can go to Vegas for a couple of them. You know, be a fun weekend to go to Vegas. I don't think it's gonna be a fun weekend to go see the A's play the Royals. <laughs> Just don't see that as being the same thing. So I don't think the city is gonna embrace the A's. I think they're in for a tough, tough sledding in their nice new stadium that the Las Vegas taxpayers are gonna pay for in large part and right on the strip and that the you know and that the owners got this you know huge sort of you know nice little and oh and the relocation fee waived by Major League Baseball. That's how you know the the fix is in. Like there's one more study, the owners have to approve it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the owners are gonna approve. Yeah. Well, look, I assume that they're going to keep the same uniform colors, etc. So as teams do when they move generally, not every time, obviously the Browns became the Ravens. But um, but if they do, it makes that on that alone, I would veto it. If I was an, another owner, you know, I I, right. I own the, the Brewers, I'd be like, you're going to have a team playing white, yellow and green in Vegas. No, I vote no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't match the city. Yeah, and by the way, it's never going to match the city. Sorry. Yeah, and like leave the name the A's for something else. Whether we, you know, maybe we'll put a team oh. in the East Bay somewhere. Have to be in, a, you know. Can I? Okay, you know what? So there's so many things. Uh, number one, uh, I relate to you on being like an uh, a fan for that of a different team in a bold way. I grew up in Jersey, but I was a Yankees fan. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, and you're telling me that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, yeah. Okay, but I, I did grow up a Steelers fan. That still doesn't count because Steelers are such a big national team uh, that's beloved all across the country. Uh, but uh, but to, to Ben's earlier point uh, about gritty teams, like today my son sent me a, a quick video from Tyreek Hill and they're asking him like rapid fire questions. Who's the fastest person in the NFL, you know, who's a strong, whatever. And uh, and who hits the hardest? And he named a Steeler, and he was like, he made me not want to do kickoff returns anymore. That's how hard he hit me. And I thought, yes, like as a Steelers fan, I was like, yeah. 
it's wrong, it's wrong, but that's sorry, but that's who we are, okay? The, the, the definitive AFC championship games in the, yeah, for our, for I think for us, even despite Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and the reinvention of the NFL and the passing game, and obviously Brady, the greatest quarterback to ever play. I don't think there's any question about that so far. I'm sure somebody playing now may end up being better. But the big guy right now won the two, right. Um, but the, the, the definitive AFC championship games were just Pittsburgh and Oakland should play every year. <laughs> That's how you decided who the best team in the AFC was. Uh, right, I mean, and those were, yeah. and those were, those are, those are such, like, gritty, tough guy, tough American cities where people, you know, had to overcome stuff. I mean, I love Los Angeles, but it's not a tough guy city, right? You know. No, let's be honest. Let's be honest, right? There are different cities yeah. with different reputations, some of which has been earned, right? And uh, and pretending that LA is a tough town. Is absurd. In fact, I'll go further. When I used to listen to the West Coast rappers, whether it was NWA or Tupac, etc., back when I was on the East Coast, I was like, "Who are these guys kidding?" Like, and I know that that's wrong now because of the police abuse and the, how they lived in Compton, blah blah blah. But I was like, "Dude, it's 70 degrees every day. You, you this, and there's no high rises. No, it's just like sorry, but there, you'll never ever be as tough as the." East Coast rappers, sorry. Now, no, I, I think that's large, that's true. Even though obviously there are parts of LA which are incredibly tough, and I don't mean bad tough, I just mean legitimately tough, right? And I'm sure it has bred plenty of tough people. That said, when there are no high rises and the sun hits you from every direction all the time, and it's between 66 and 79, like it just, it isn't, it's not, it loses to New York in that sense, and it will every time. And that's part of the reason why I want to live there, right? Yeah, 100%. It's it's also a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, you don't want to live in a tough city. I've lived in tough cities. And uh, and I'm not tough. I'm I'm not tough. I am soft. And I want to live in a soft (laughs) place. So, look, uh, I I lived in Philly. I lived in Baltimore. I lived in New York. And I lived in some tough places, right? Tough, tough, tough. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so like in New York, I lived on 109th in Amsterdam and it was that year, it was featured in a movie. Literally like Al Pacino said in a movie, I knew it was a bad day because I wound up on 109th in Amsterdam. And me and Khan who lived, I was really like, what? That's, 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 our, that's our address, that's our address. It's like it memorialized. You know the 100, the, 109th in- I lived at 119th in Amsterdam. I don't know that we discussed this. There's, we must have. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But no, no, there's a there is a major distinction. After 110th, in the old days, I went back. I'm going to tell you how it is now. But in the old days, between 110th and 109th was a drop off of a lifetime, right? It was amazing, magical. The difference one block made. I mean, I'm talking about Oakland and San Francisco being separated by a bridge <laughs> that was separated yeah, by no, one I'm, block. And it was crazy. Right, so you'd look up to 110th Street and think, "Oh, that's nice." Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. got it like we got it because we were poor, but also because like we thought, "Well, 109th, how different could it be than 110th?" And the answer was, "I got you." Back then, very, very different. And then uh, I, I then, I mean, this is all amazing coincidences that it was happened to be in a movie that year. Our exact address, or something along those lines. He, he, he said, but it was so close to our address. We're like, that is stunning, stunning. We should find that somewhere. 
uh, and then show it illegally. Um, and uh, maybe we'll do the members only episode. Uh, and then I worked as an intern in the prosecutor's office that the, the next summer. And they also were like, all right, now there's a couple of major drug, uh, drug centers uh, in New York and honestly the country. These are some of the largest drug centers in the country. And one of them is on 109th in Amsterdam. I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> so. I lived there, I lived in West Philly, which was significantly tough. And we used to have uh, roaming gangs of, of people who would go wilding on, on Penn's campus. So Penn's campus is lovely, just like Columbia campus, right? But you step off a little bit off of campus is West Philly. And West Philly is real and there's no boundaries and there's no fence, right? So every once in a while, a bunch of guys would come onto campus and just rob everybody and then leave, okay? <laughs> and if you went off campus, you you know, and during the day is fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah but at night you're you're playing with your life a tiny bit. When I lived at 119th, and which was by right by Morningside Park, and I don't want to pretend I was in a Columbia University building, but it was just in a building they owned. Like there was no way to know, identify it as a Columbia University building mm -hmm. unless you knew. But it made it cheap, by the way. I paid way more money. I lived in, but I lived at 48th and 8th before that, and that was then. That was tough. That's why I moved. <laughs> it was too tough. 48 today. I don't know why I lived at 48 today. I mean, I wanted to live off campus so I could, like, you know, be forced to take the subway 60, 70 blocks in the morning and be late every single day. Um, but I then moved on campus and we're right by Morningside Park, which was dangerous then. It's all beautiful now. And the building was really, the building was beautiful looking. I mean, I lived in a, a I lived in a square. Like, it was like, I don't know, it was like oh, 200. I lived in a room. A room that had one closet was technically a kitchen, and one closet was technically a bathroom, and the third closet was a closet, a tiny closet. But uh, but I would walk at night without fail if I was alone uh, in the middle of the street. I would not walk on the sidewalks at night. I just walked down the middle of the street because wow. I wanted. I was, I was, you know, I had some speed, and I was like, I got. I'll have directions to go. Like. I see trouble, which I which I never did. <laughs> but I would think like I'm not gonna walk down the middle of the street, and then if I have to run, I'll run. That was my plan <laughs> the entire funny. time. There was, so yeah. they so the the prosecutor office wasn't wrong. So there's a guy in the corner, uh, like rain, sleet, or uh, shine, right? And um, and it would snow, and the the drug dealer in the corner would still stay there. And then there was a guy in the middle of the street. I've said this in other shows. My hypothesis was that they sold guns because of the nonstop gun noises we heard at night. Um, so, but I don't know that what are, that's- what, what are gun noises other than gunshots? Just curious, curious what that would be. Yeah. I gun mean, noises. Yeah. It's not a phrase you hear very often. Like, that's did you hear funny. the guns being cocked? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I didn't, I think that I didn't make that distinction because I didn't want people thinking that people are constantly getting shot in, in my neighborhood. That only happened at the end and only three people died. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I think it was like they were maybe a shooting range inside one of the apartments. I don't know. But anyways, uh, the guy in the middle of the, of the street one time we're walking back late um, on the sidewalk and he's sitting on the stoop and I, that's the guy that was always there. He whatever business he was transacting, he was like the he had his fiefdom, right? Uh, and uh, and as me and my friend Khan who were living together, uh, he he sees us and he's like, "What's up?" And then we're like, "No, okay, we, no, it's okay, we're cool, right? Like we don't need anything." And he then his "What's up?" becomes. What's up? 
Okay, and so that's a very important distinction. Anyways, if yeah. you play leave in place like that. By the way, I went back to go visit Columbia when I was in New York last a couple of weeks ago, and went to my old apartment, 109th in Amsterdam. Now, lovely, very nice. Right, it's it's moved down. Yeah, it's like totally moved down. It's got a nice restaurants. The apartment looks fine. There's no blood on the street. It's totally fine. So, yeah. so things do improve sometimes. Anyway, then one last thing about the tough cities, and then I'll come back to the point. Baltimore. That's the only place where I lived, and I only lived there for six months. But and again, these are all nice to nice schools. Keep it real. It's okay. But having said that, if you've ever been to Johns Hopkins, just go a little off campus. And that place is tough. That place is no, tough. Yeah. Okay. Well, we know we had a terrible, you know, obviously that was a terrible shooting this weekend in uh, in Baltimore as we shoot this on, on Monday. Over the weekend, 28 people I think shot in Baltimore. Baltimore is a super tough city. I mean, you know, the the wire and homicide weren't set in Baltimore by accident, right? Baltimore is a, and it's not just tough because it's dangerous in parts and lawless, and the cops don't solve enough crimes. Um, uh, it's tough because it just breeds tough people, right? Um, who have an attitude, a Baltimore attitude. Like I, I hated Baltimore when I was in D.C. because I hated them because they had a baseball team, which made me an Oakland A's fan. There was no team in D.C. and Baltimore kept D.C. from having a team. But as soon as I left the area, I started to like Baltimore. And then D.C. got a team, and now I, I mean, I like the Orioles a lot, right? And partly I like them because I like Baltimore, right? I just think Baltimore's. And I just I feel like Baltimore is the Oakland of the East, and Oakland is the Baltimore of the West. That's sort of I see the cities in the same way. I, I always have. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, that's not, not fair. I don't know enough about either one of them, really. But uh, but I no, always no. see them the same way. It's funny you say that because I think it is fair. I think Baltimore, Oakland, that's an interesting comparison. Having said that, and I have, and I like tough cities. I I loved Philly. I really enjoyed my time in New York, uh, but. Um, but no, I didn't like Baltimore. <laughs> Just it's like it was too much. It crossed the line. Like every time at night, you felt afraid for your life, uh, and it was too much, right? And yeah, so, of course you can't. Fear is not a way to go through life. Yeah, um, and so and then, of course you know we're talking about there are obviously people who live there who live with that all the time. Who've lived with it from the time they were little babies and grew up with it. It's not a it's yeah. not a way to grow and up. You, and you know what happens? Yeah, that it traumatizes you, et cetera. It also makes you tougher, right? And that there's yeah. a huge upside to that. Now, having said all that, you come out to LA, and the reason you're soft is because the weather is lovely. The you know, generally speaking, the the houses are lovely. Everything is lovely, and people are hopeful. They think they're going to be stars, and and they've got a little mm -hmm. pep in their step. And you know what? Yeah, that's a lot better. It's a lot better. It's just more pleasant. Okay, so it's more pleasant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like I played on a dirt field when you know at Perth Amboy, right? When we were in high school, as I was saying in the football, and uh, and it did. It felt a little bit more gritty, and it felt like kind of cool, except for the fact that I went home with my legs all torn up from the dirt field. And right, so, right, right. There's a, it's not all. It's not all good. There was. A, I just. I was writing about this with my friends. There was a um, because somebody brought it up. In some other context, but we used to park. I, I, my memory has it when we would go park at the old Memorial Stadium, where the Orioles used to play before they moved. And well, I don't remember when it was 88, 89, 90, late 80s, early 90s. They moved to, to Camden Yards on the, at the Horbert. Um, and, uh, 
but apparently this parking that we would drive down there, this place that I'm talking about was when we would drive to the new ballpark. So it had to be like in the early 90s we'd drive. And we were super cheap. We didn't want to pay to park, you know, 10 bucks or whatever at the stadium. So you try and find street parking. So you drive around forever until you can find street parking, like within a mile of the ballpark. And we used to park at this neighborhood that we found that was like a 10, 15 minute walk to the ballpark. And it was right by a strip club, which apparently had been a bar that was known as the bar that Babe Ruth built. Like it's that's that was Babe Ruth's bar, Babe Ruth's from Baltimore, right? And so, uh, but when it became a strip club, and this is not a secret way to act like we never went in, it was too intimidating or whatever. And our, but it was called like Club TikTok or TikTok Club. I think it was called Club TikTok. And I've said this before, but it's still my favorite thing. It had a sign, neon sign that so many strip clubs had and it said, Girls, girls, <laughs> and <laughs> it's the only strip club in America that didn't have the third girls, right? It was it was too cheap to have the third girls at the club TikTok. You know why? Girls, girls, yeah. Finish the thought. <laughs> girls, <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because it's in Baltimore. They couldn't afford the third girl. No, hundred percent. They couldn't afford the third girl in Baltimore. We don't. You know, we don't need it. We don't need it. That's for fancy strip clubs. Girls, girls, girls. Word, girls, girls. Yeah, and yeah, take it or yeah. leave it. That's what we got, girls, girls. So I had already lived in Baltimore when The Wire came out. And uh, and The Wire is one of the greatest TV shows of all time, period. You don't need to have yeah. lived in Baltimore to think that. But I, as I, uh, but as I started watching The Wire, I was like, that's so Baltimore. It's so true, okay? Yeah, yeah so. I mean, and, you know, what a shock. I mean, created by David Simon, who is, Spent, I don't know, the last 30 years of his life in Baltimore, maybe longer. I have no idea, but he's lived there through the production of The Wire. He lives there now with his family. His wife, Laura Lippman, a, a sensational, really sensational novelist. They got a kid there. Like, you know, they, 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 they're, they're Baltimoreans. And uh, 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 God bless them. And they defend that city while acknowledging everything that's wrong with it. And and God forbid you're you know you're a right winger who comes at David Simon for being a Hollywood elitist <laughs> writing about Baltimore. He's like, no, I live here, MF, <laughs> you know, and I have for a long time. And he totally admits everything that's wrong. So, you know, he's like, but it's also you know. So anyway, I, I'm jealous. I I, I wish I, I I miss that sort of that enormous sense of pride that some people from a specific area have. And I think. People in Oakland have it, and people in Baltimore have it. A lot of people in those places have it. And yeah. I, I'm envious of that. I got it. I, I like living in LA. I yeah, I have pride in in Jersey. I'm a Jersey. Yeah, guy. yeah, people. Yeah, of course, Jersey, yeah. Jersey people have pride. Yeah. Um, so, and by the way, you say you were late every day to class in, in New York. Uh, you cannot. Like, you can't live in New York. You can't go to New York. Especially, you can't go to New York if you don't know New York. Uh, and not be late. Uh, I'm yeah, whenever awesome. I go to New York, awesome. I'm late to every single meeting. Right? They're like, oh, just it's just cross town. Oh, good night, Irene. Okay, this <laughs> whatever you think it's gonna unless take, you can, add 20 minutes to it. Unless you can walk, you're effed. That's yeah. basically it. But even yeah. so, like, yeah, like I, mean, I once made the mistake of walking across town from like 11th Street to like Second, 11th Avenue to Second Avenue. I was soaking wet by the time you know. I got there. It was yeah. summertime. Yeah, no, it was just like, a, this. like epic disaster. No, it's 
No, I mean, you could walk like you're 20 blocks away, then you can be on time. Yeah. Be like this is gonna take me exactly 12 minutes, you know, yeah. you know. But right, you can't walk across, you can't walk from 11th Avenue to 2nd Avenue in the summer, it's insane. It's only insane, yeah. all right. I love yeah. like if you've never been in New York, you're like second to 11th, so nine blocks, nine blocks is insane. No, you don't know, those are city blocks, those are enormously yeah. long are, blocks. You won't make it. Those are avenue blocks. blocks. Yeah, you won't yeah. make it. You won't make it. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you whatever time you're supposed to be there. You won't make it. It's yeah. impossible. Uh, all right. What if I leave at 9 a.m. and I don't have to be there till 3? You won't make it. Something will come up. It's you won't, <laughs> yeah. trust me. Yeah. Well, uh, won't. All right. Uh, YouTube members, Mark Vince writes in, I like the FBI looking TYT jacket, right? Like it, it does kind of look like an FBI jacket. I almost, when I wear this, I almost want to say to people, Step aside, please, TYT. Step aside, TYT, okay, as if it's FBI. Um, so shoptyt.com, although I don't think this jacket's there. But still, you'll love the other stuff. Uh, the, sport, the sports critic writes in, I wish Ben Mank would be on the main show more often. Uh, sentiment shared by a lot of people. Um, Thank you. And uh, the OG Mountain Dragon writes in on Twitch, no jank, never soften, fight, fight, fight. I like it, I, I think you're referring to the main show, but I, I like it, or maybe the, the don't soften up because of LA. D don't worry, I, I like I like the softness of LA, but as if you saw the main show today or on any day, it doesn't look like I'm letting up. So don't worry, the jersey's still in me. Um, uh, and then he also wrote in, I defiantly prefer the left Twix, which is funny. Um, uh, Greggy Pooh one writes that I'm a big party pooper. I don't care nothing about fireworks. I like your attitude. Uh, Ian uh, in our member section says, get off my lawn, Ben Mangwitz, uh, quoting you, not telling, directing it to you. Um, Ian also says, light shows are beginning to replace fireworks here in Canada, another interesting development. And finally, Atomic Ann says- Is that also a light, a light show, I believe, and, and perhaps, who was that person who said the light shows? Were? Ian. Ian, you know, like I'd read, I was trying to look it up while the, when the show was starting, we talked about it, that I'd read that in Iceland, the, the fireworks are quiet. Like you don't have to have the bang. Like you could, and, and and the dogs, is they don't care about the sight of the fireworks. They care about the noise. And what I was told by a vet was less. It's not exactly the noise. It's the, it's the tremors in the air. Like that it changes the air. And dogs are so some dogs, not every dog. Some dogs are so sensitive to so many things. That's why they know what we're feeling, right? I mean, they don't. They can't. They can't describe it, but they know when you're sad, they know when you're happy, and they can feel those things. So, um, but a silent firework is what I, I would be in favor of. Like, we don't need to, we don't need to, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't have to seem no. like a, you know, a Russian drone attack on Kiev. Yeah, I got you. Uh, no, I vote no. Uh, we're split on this one, split decision, uh, because uh, I, first, I don't own a dog, so I don't care about your problems. Uh, and secondly, um, uh, if we're gonna bother doing fireworks, they have to be loud. Otherwise, come on, no, I, come on, just lights no, in the I sky, think, no way, no. No, no, but lights, like they, they can still go like, like they can have, they just don't need to sound like an aerial bombardment. It's weird, it doesn't have to sound like that. We just made that up. Yeah, but it's kind of American to be loud. And yeah, <laughs> it is, it's one of the things I think we can now recognize is not super great. At America. Well, like as we a could, super loud could, guy, again, uh, agree to disagree. We're, we're inextric inextricably uh, locked on this one. 
Uh, Tom McGann writes in, Ben will know about this, but I lived in Savannah in the early 90s during the Jimmy Givens gang war. Super sketchy, but Savannah was awesome. Do you know about that? Uh, only super secondhand, and I wouldn't have gotten the Jimmy Givens part. But when I got my job in Charleston, South Carolina in 93, I also got offered a job in Savannah as an editor. I got hired as a producer in Charleston. I got at a TV station. I got hired as an editor. I didn't know how to edit, but I, I, I would have learned. But but I saw the road to being on the air is quicker in Charleston, and it was a better market. Um, but I thought about the Savannah job because Savannah was so nice. And then I heard from people in Charleston, they would be like, "Oh, you don't know about Savannah." But I and I think that's what they were referring to, if, I, if memory serves me uh, correctly. So I really I don't know about it, but I know I mean I only know a little about it uh, uh, secondhand. But you know, there's toughness in every or Charleston, the city directly north of Charleston. Um, that was a tough guy city, no question. North Charleston was a tough city. Yeah, somebody's got to do a movie about the Jimmy Givens gang war because it's too good a name. You can't it have a good name. Yeah, you can't have me have a Jimmy Givens gang war and not do a movie or a series about it. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Savannah seemed to me to be a little stuck in its preciousness, and Charleston was less stuck in its preciousness. Charleston, Charleston is a wonderful city that I have great fond memories of. But Savannah was very Savannah. Right? And I was not, I was not into that. Like it's funny how life intersects, right? So I saw Indiana Jones uh, this weekend um, and I saw it in a 4DX. Have you ever been in a 4DX? I don't even know what it means. Okay, yeah, so that's where the seats move. Uh, Craig oh, over yeah. here at TYT suggested it. So I took him up on the suggestion and a friend of mine and I went to it. And the, as the, you know, they're going down the stairs, you're going down the stairs in your seat. It, it's, it's an adventure and it probably like 3D, it'll wear off, right? But there's no way I'm not taking the kids back because I didn't know the right. kids and the sure. kids are gonna love it, right? So I'll probably take them to Mission Impossible there or something like that. But the reason I brought it up is because in the middle of the movie, they refer to an ex-Nazi who was working at NASA in Alabama, okay? Mm -hmm. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, that's funny, I almost lived in that town. Because I almost got oh, a job right. in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh yeah, when they taken over for Sean Hannity, right? Yeah, that's right, I would've taken his old spot, which would've been amazing. At the time, it would've been amazing as in like, that would've been a great career break for me. In Huntsville, Alabama, and and now it would have made for a great story. Um, except it makes for a great story without me having to live in Huntsville, Alabama, because uh, I didn't get the job. But um, but I remember the program director driving me around town, going, "Oh yeah, yeah, there's old Nazis here. Yeah, they brought them over for the science program and then for NASA and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they pay they're very bright guys apparently. But oh, definitely Nazis though, definitely. Wow, yeah, I, I didn't know that. I haven't seen India just so I'm reading a lot of stuff about Indy. Because it, it like, for a movie that made a ton of money, it's like just, it's amazing how, I don't know if you've thought about this in your life, Jake, but the, the way the media frames things it makes a big difference. Um, and uh, <laughs> never give it a second thought. Now you're yeah, not walking not, into my wheelhouse at all. No, you should give some thought to it. I think I think yeah. it would help the show in some way because you can add some context. Um, 
So it's like Indy's a failure. I mean, it made like 60, I don't have the numbers in front of me, 60 million domestically, a lot more than that overseas. It's it looks like it might have some staying power too, because like it got and then it got, I mean, there, there was described as a tepid five minute standing ovation for it in Cannes. And you're like, wow. I they give a lot of standing ovations in Cannes, but five minute standing ovations hardly seems tepid. But they felt maybe obligated to because Harrison Ford was there and everyone on the planet who loves movies loves Harrison Ford, right? And he's 80. Um, so I don't know. But then I'm seeing all these people who I like who are like, you know, I saw Indy and I got to tell you, I liked it. And I like feel like I'm not supposed to, but I was into it and I think it's good. So then, um, uh, so I'm curious whether, and I'm very anxious to see it now, especially because I, like a lot of people, I did not like four. I liked one, I love well, one is, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and a three I'm watching now with the family who watched half of it last night. The Sean Connery one with his dad, Last Crusade, I think that's excellent. And two was fun enough, you know, but I didn't love two because I thought it was for kids and I was exactly the wrong age, 17 when it came out or 18. And I was like, I don't want, I'm not into a movie with my kids. Um, and, uh, but, and then four wasn't good. So they needed to make five. So I'm very glad that they did. But I, I'm, what, what, what did you think? Uh, here's my sophisticated uh, uh, critique of uh, the latest Indiana Jones movie. Perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad it's at least perfectly fine. I, I, I hope that I'm going to, uh, I hope I'm going to like it a lot. They also had this thing about Karen Allen. There was the Daily Mail had a piece that they got savage for on Twitter because they were like, Karen, I think she's 71. So Karen Allen, 71, unrecognizable in Indiana Jones cameo opposite Harrison Ford, right? And then there's a picture of her that's obviously Karen Allen at 71. Like, totally like, recognizable. Like the most recognizable. as recognizable as Harrison Ford. You're like, oh, look, Karen Allen. Yeah, no, I oh, saw the movie. What happens? 40 years went by for her too. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah, so yeah. first of all, Perfectly recognizable. Uh, second of all, um, no, it was like let's be honest, it was slightly depressing because I watched the originals when I was you know a kid, whatever, right? And now like those guys who were in the prime of their careers and who were young, etc., are like 200 years old. So it's hard not to get depressed, slightly depressed by that. Okay, but the last thing is um, the standing ovation thing you said is hilarious because um, I once got. Um, a two-minute standing ovation. I know because I went back. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so exactly. Awful. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I went back yeah. and and counted. It might have even been under two minutes. And the reason I'm telling you that is because it felt like it was half an hour. I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't believe how long it lasted. And I and it got super awkward. And I was like, thank you, thank you. Okay, okay. A five-minute standing ovation. Is not tepid under any circumstance. That the, would feel like an eternity. Um, the uh, and I mean Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the you know, This is not a can move, you know. But anyway, it just all seems snide, and you know. So anyway, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, I don't like the seat stuff. I don't like the gimmicks. Uh, but I get where the kids would like it. And if it makes it more fun, then all right. But in general, I'm I'm anti gimmick. Okay. Uh, but I, anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Okay. Oh, by the way, so at the TCM Film Festival, 
you know, they, they get standing ovations. I sometimes get them not really for me, but like for whoever I'm coming out with sometimes. But we, the way these theaters are, you know, they're not designed to have people where we like have created backstage areas where people don't really go. So sometimes there's a pretty long walk. Sometimes the people that were leading on the walk are older. And so it takes them a while for the walk, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've had to instruct the crowd that if you're gonna give a standing ovation, you have to keep it going until we sit down. Like there are rules for the audience to give a standing ovation too. And if you you don't have to get up, but if you get up, you gotta go for 45, you gotta go till we're seated. Cuz then we can't have you sit down and stop clapping and then have another 25 feet to walk. It's the worst 25 feet in show business, right? Like all of a sudden it's quiet, Like no, you gotta keep going for crying out loud. Okay. I think I've made my point. I mean, I think I make my point to them. I'm, you know, I think they, I, they, I, they usually understand. So I'll get back up. The great thing is, is you can really, when you're in, it's really fun when you're in control of a crowd, and like you can make them restand. But it's always, you know, for Angie Dickinson. Yeah. Um, so I like your rule. Uh, and uh, fun guessing game. We're almost out of time, and I got to do uh, last couple of things here. Uh, you're going to be able to get it if you think about it for a minute, especially because you might have heard the story before. So that speech where I gave uh, the got the standing ovation, I gave it uh, at the event for a current presidential candidate. Who was that presidential candidate? You gave. Uh, sorry, say it again. You got you. You mean you? Your standing ovation was for like an introduction to a current presidential candidate. Not an introduction, but a speech. For speech that was it's at an event the current for the uh, uh, current presidential candidate. Oh, Cornell West. Okay, that's an excellent guess. RFK Jr. would have also been an excellent guess since uh, I know him oh, as yeah, well. Oh yeah, right, right. You do him. It could have been before. Yeah, right. I, yeah, uh, but right. sure. Correct answer: Marianne Williamson. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so I went to I gave she asked me to give a speech. This is a long if, time. I, if I thought if I thought of Marianne Williamson in that moment, I would have if I thought of her in Cornell West, I would have guessed Marianne Williamson. Yeah, she has these uh, conventions conferences called Sister Giant, and uh, she invited me to speak at one of those. I six, eight, seven, eight years ago, I don't remember. Um, and and they love miracles, so I gave a speech on the miracles in my life, and oh, they loved it. They loved it, and uh, and and it was mainly about my mom. So they double loved it. Um, okay, oh, so nice, good call. Yeah, way to read the room. Nice job. Thank you.